Chicago is more than great food, iconic sports, legendary music, and crooked politicians. It's a community of people who, at their core, care about one another and their city. We're chatting with new and native Chicagoans about all things local on the Chicagoan Podcast. Welcome to the Chicagoan Podcast. Today, I'm joined by journalist and content creator Ari Bendersky. Ari, thank you for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, so very cool, especially since uh, you know what you do is like the coolest stuff uh, you know that anyone can experience. You, you get to talk about wine and food and travel and just you know a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Great, I'm actually really psyched to be here. I actually I love what I get to do. Um, and it's funny, I've actually have friends who over the years have said, God, I wish I could trade jobs with you. And I'm like, well, you know, it's also you live in a really nice big house and you have a really big salary. And I just, you know, write about wine. <laughs> but it's uh, it's quite the thing that you do. Um, how did you get how did you get started? First of all, what, what was it about being a journalist that that drew you to the profession? Um, I have always liked telling stories and I've always liked finding out about uh people's lives and stories and things like that. And so I started my career as a music journalist. So back in the late 90s, I worked for a website called jamtv.com, which eventually became rollingstone.com. And I did that for about three years. And that's very modest. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. It's by became the way. became Rolling Stones. We, well, we did. We you said you wrote for Rolling Stones. <laughs> right. I wrote for Rolling Stone. Um, and uh, over the years, um, after writing about music for a, a while, I then started writing for some gay publications, but I kind of felt like I was getting pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. And I launched a blog mid-2000s so I could write about other things that I was interested in. So food, wine, travel, drinks, um, men's grooming, products, things like that. So it was called, it's called Something Glorious. And uh, the tagline was, things that I love that you should love too. People always would like ask, that. thanks. Um, people would always ask me for recommendations in fill in the category. So I then said, well, I'm going to write about it and you can just go check out my blog. But that didn't stop people from asking me for recommendations and they still do. Um, so with the blog, I started writing about food and wine. And that was really the beginning of my personal wine education and exploration. Oh, so really? kind of, you know, I'd worked in some restaurants um, and got interested in wine. And when I lived in San Francisco, I would go up to Napa and Sonoma um, but it was, I really wanted to go deeper and that allowed me access to winemakers and wineries. And I would go on trips to go visit these places. Um, I would go to the store and buy wine. I would get wine sent to me as writers do. Um, and it really just opened up a whole world. Um, and it allowed me to kind of continue on that path. And then same thing with food. Um, it's funny, I look back at my time writing about music and the music industry is really kind of like a fraternity or an old boys club, you <laughs> yeah. know, and it's just like, it's very clicky and whatnot. Yeah. And even though I was really good at what I did, um, once I started writing about food, especially in the Chicago food scene, it felt so much more like home. You mm -hmm. know, this feels so much more like a community. And when you're in the culinary world, and in most cities, I feel like, especially in America, there's a lot more com uh, community and camaraderie amongst restaurant people. There um, really is, though. That's the one thing I found is I was really surprised at that. There's a, you know, a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood that, that lives within that community. Yeah, it's family. People, they really do support each other. Um, you know, if a week or so ago, there was a huge fundraiser that came together in 12 days out at Navy Pier, and it was the... 
Chicago Chefs for Ukraine is what I think it was called. Yeah, and there were like that. 70 chefs and restaurants who came out. Um, they raised half a million dollars uh, in 12 days. And uh, you just saw people that you hadn't seen for two years in some cases. And it was just people were just happy to be together and supporting each other. And that is very much a, a part of why I loved writing about and love writing about this community. And, and you're originally from Chicago, right? So, yeah, the suburbs. Uh, yeah, Chicago land. Yeah. Chicago land. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so w- w- did you ever venture out outside Chicago to do, you know, to write, to, to do what you do now, but in a different space? Uh, well, it's not permanently living. Like well, I lived in San Francisco. Um, oh, you did? After, yeah. After uh, I left Rolling Stone, I uh, moved out to San Francisco uh, actually because I had met my now husband and he was living there. So I moved out there to be with him. Um, but it, for me, it was also like a, a really great coming together of, you know, three things that I was passionate about, um, the tech industry, the gay mm. community, and also music, because I'm a big Grateful Dead fan, oh. and, and that's where they come <laughs> right, from. Right. Uh, so uh, when I came, when I lived out there, I worked for Shutterfly, oh. um, and I was a marketing manager and was in a different world. They had a very different world. Very different totally. world. Um, <laughs> But still pretty cool. I mean, I learned a lot, met some great people, some who I'm still in touch with, you know, 20 plus years later. Nice. And, uh, but yeah, so. So Chicago has been Chicago's the majority of time. pretty much been my base as far as where I, where I live. Um, but I write about food and wine and people from all over the world. And what is that like as far as being from Chicago? I mean, we have that, that people see us as a culinary city and, you know, we have that, uh, I guess, title, if you will, but. What, how, how does that give you whether street credit or, you know, in the community or how do people perceive you from, from outside when they're, when they're reading your content? I think over the years, Chicago has earned a lot more respect, you know, for all, for a lot of time, it was like New York, New York, New York, right. and then San Francisco. Um, and over time, Chicago really proved itself as being way more than just meat and potatoes and steakhouses and things like that and hot dogs and deep dish pizza. And you've got chefs who are very conscious about uh, cooking seasonally, working with local farms. Um, And, you know, the fact that we now have the James Beard Awards here um, is a really big deal. So now when people know that I'm from Chicago, first of all, they always say like, oh my God, I love Chicago. I love, it was beautiful when I was there. The food is amazing. So I think that there's a lot of respect for Chicago and what's going on here. Do you think we're just so spoiled when it comes to the food scene that when we go out, there's almost like a level of expectation that we're not surprised anymore. We're not overwhelmed by anything. It's like, wow, this is kind of what I'm expecting everywhere I go, that where you go to other cities and you might have a great restaurant, but you know, the level of service to expect kind of everywhere is the same. Tell me, tell me what it's like as far as just not being able to, to really compare different experiences all over the world that you seem to have. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that Chicago has set a bar, but there's a lot of places that are similar. Um, sometimes exceed, you know, you go to, for me, when I travel, like, let's say I'm going to San Francisco or New Orleans or London or whatever, and 
trying to figure out where to dine in that short time that I'm in those places is incredibly stressful because <laughs> they have equally as many great right, right. restaurants and chefs that we do here. And of course you want to go to the places that you hear about and are recommended to you, but then you go and you're like, well, that was yeah, good. Right. You know, I was in uh, Palm Springs a few weeks ago and we went to three different restaurants. One I've been wanting to go for a few years finally got to go and I was actually kind of disappointed in the service and and the food was fine you know but the other two places were exceptional you know one was a uh, a sushi place and one was this newer place called Bar Cecil um but yeah I think that you do have a level of expectation as not even a Chicagoan but I think a diner hmm. um and you know what good service is and you have an expectation of what can be done because you've seen it done and you know you still have to have patience like restaurants have been through am i allowed to swear on you oh, okay. <laughs> restaurants have been through the shit in the last two years and you want to have patience and compassion but at the same time if you're spending a lot of money on a meal you want it to be worth what they're charging you and yes we've got inflation and all that but still you know if you're going to be charging something for that level of food and service then you want it and i'm not talking about like you know two three michelin star places and 200 tasting menus i'm just talking about like a night out for dinner for sure that's not fast food no and, and do you find that one there's so many restaurants and options obviously to to, to go out here in chicago but are you the type of person that you like to explore and, and try new things and maybe even try the whole menu at a place before you decide that, you know, you really like something or you have a favorite or is it, I'm a regular at certain, you know, places. Um, excuse me. <laughs> uh, I definitely am an explorer. Yeah, I, yeah. I like to go and try new places. And, and what's frustrating for me is that there are so many places that keep opening that you can't keep up. And, you know, this has been a, an issue for me, an issue, you know, say that with <laughs> air first quotes. World world problems, right. right. Um, but I also do like to go back to places that I love and revisit those places. And like through the pandemic, I found myself going to places that were either favorites or local spots that I love because I wanted them to, I wanted to make sure they were going to be around, yeah. you know, but also when I go to new places, you know, sometimes I, I'm very indecisive. And I want to eat, you know, four entrees, but of course I can only have one. Um, so I like when I'm with more people so we can kind of share and taste and yeah. yeah. Or just like, you know, be like, can I have a bite of that? <laughs> Which also was something that I was, you know, looking forward to going out to dinner again, post pandemic or post like the, the scary time uh, that you could be like, oh, can I actually have a sip of your drink? Right. Really, you know. Um, so how is it when you go out with your husband? Is it that you guys each get your meal and just kind of pick or you know pick off each other's plate or is it that it's an even no. like we're always split no 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 i mean we we do <laughs> you get we, what you order with what's yours no we yeah, do yeah. we do share and oftentimes so he's pescatarian so oh, okay. um oftentimes we will get things that we can both share and taste but sure. there are other times like if i'm going to a a really good italian restaurant and i want um like a bolognese you know Sorry, you can't have that. I, I want a really good. That's one of my most favorite dishes. Like Where's, a good ragu. So I got to ask. I mean, not to put you on the spot, but put me on the spot. Yeah, right. Um, your favorite bolognese out there as far as a restaurant. I don't know that I have a no? favorite. Yeah, like the other thing. My one of my biggest problems is you know, and it's not a great thing as a writer is that I, I don't have a lot of great retention. You know, it's like I will <laughs> like there are certain standout dishes that I've had over the years that I will always remember, like the the. Um, 
like the smashed chicken thigh skewers at the Purple Pig are mm-hmm. like insane. Um, but I'm trying to think. I've I've been somewhere recently that I've definitely had some really good pasta, and now I can't think. Um, of course, like the one place that's popping into my head is at a, this great place called Felix in uh, Venice, in California. Mm. Um, Monteverde has great pasta. But what um, about in Chicago, though? Well, I mean Monteverde. Oh, Monteverde. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they have a really great place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about Piccolo Sonia? Have you had their? Uh, oh my God, Piccolo, the, everything at yeah. Piccolo Sonia is incredible. That's the one um, that stood out to me that, that I remember at least. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny, you know, I can write about food and, and recommend things to people all the time. But when somebody says to me, what's your favorite place or what, where have you been lately? Like my brain just shuts down and just like the, the memory doesn't flow. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a problem. So how do you go about selecting the places that you go out to? Like what what's the, the level of research that you do? I mean, you're writing about this stuff. So you're seen as the expert, right? People are looking at you for those recommendations. But if you don't really know anything about a place or if you're here or if you're just going out, you know, what, what does that look like for you as far as what do you trust? How, how do you form that opinion of where to go next? Uh, a lot of times it's either just straight up interest. You know, it could be I know the chef or owner. It could be a recommendation from a friend or something I've read about either in an article or seen something somebody post about it on Instagram. Um, I just thought of a place I had pasta, which was great late recently was Elena's. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, over in, um, I guess you call that West Town. Um, and it's called Elena? Elena's, E-L-I-N-A-S. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm very aware and informed, aware of and informed of what is opening and what has opened. Um, I actually just had a great pasta at Alpana Singh's new place. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so her, called Alpana. Yeah, right. right. Uh, I was there last week. Oh, nice. Um, is it American Fair or is it just... A specific uh, it's cuisine, more Mediterranean influenced. Oh, nice! Uh, so you've got a lot of that uh, from the cultures around the Mediterranean, um, and a beautiful, beautiful space. I mean, it's just like you feel like you're walking into like a big. It's very floral and uh, a lot of plants. Um, even the wallpaper, um, yeah, it's beautiful. I remember the um, restaurant she had before. Was it the boarding? The boarding. House? She had boarding house. Yeah, with uh, the with the wine. And you would, you know, bottles up on. The, yeah, it was beautiful. What's really funny is that uh, there were like ten thousand. We talked about this when I was there because now they have um, greenery hanging from the ceiling. Oh, nice. And she said somebody asked them. She's like, "Well, how are you planning on cleaning that?" And she's like, "Oh, I hadn't thought about that." And <laughs> you know, and I was like, "You'd think you would learn after having ten thousand glasses in the ski- in the ceiling." And she's like, "I know you'd think that I would have n- would not have done that again, right. but so." And so what about cooking for you? Is that something that translates as far as it really more just about the experience of, of looking for, for new ideas to write about uh, from, as far as like the restaurant and hospitality scene? So I'm a really good eater. Um, I'm, I'm an okay cook. You know, my husband is a, is a really good cook. So he does the majority of the cooking at home. My, my problem is like I get in my head and then I have like the expectation before I even start. But once I, once I'm in it, I'm okay. Um, I'm not the kind of person that can, I have to follow a recipe more Mm -hmm. of the time than Mm -hmm. not, you know, as opposed to just being able to kind of throw something together. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would really love to improve my culinary skills, but that is just a matter of just practice. I see. No. So when you write about food or when you're you know, looking at these experiences, what is it that, that you're looking forward to write about? I know I asked you a little bit before, you know, that not everybody has the same taste. And so you're almost writing from obviously your perspective, but you're trying to write to really inform your readers. 
what, how, how does that work? What are you looking for? What are you writing about? You know, take me through some of those thoughts that as you approach, hey, this is the, the thing, the topic, or this is the place, you know, how do you communicate that to, to your reader? It really depends on the assignment and the angle of the article and, and the outlet I'm writing for. So sometimes it might be, um, you know, what are the best? I actually just did it. I, before the pandemic, I wrote an article for Rob Report about the oh, nice. best steakhouses in Chicago. And we're doing an update on that. And that should be coming out maybe this week. Um, so that's really about like, you know, writing about those places and in 50 to 100 words uh, encapsulating what makes this place great. And, and so you're going there and you're not telling them that you're going to write an article. Is well, it? I'm not necessarily going in and reviewing. So gotcha, a lot of gotcha, times, gotcha. you know, it's okay. either places I've been, um, places I know about, have read about. So a lot of times through research. I see. Um, so I'm not reviewing. So I don't necessarily have to go in. Um, I mean, and, and uh, every restaurant knows me. I've actually been told by friends, um, like I couldn't anonymously go in or try to anonymously go into a place to review. Um, friends of mine who work in the industry have told me that there are pictures in the base. I'm, I'm revealing a big secret right now. Um, there are pictures in the basements of a lot of restaurants of local media. So they know who you are when you come in. And so it's like, I can't not. And so uh, what, like, what happens in those moments when they do recognize you? Like, I mean, somebody what? will come over and say hi. And sometimes uh -huh. like too many people will come over and say hi. Or like they might send out an extra dish or whatever. But Interesting. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like you get a little bit more special treatment. But, uh, you know, I think there's, there is something to be said about being anonymous and going in and being able to just kind of like go and enjoy a meal and, uh, you know, not to say like, oh, poor me, they know who you are, you're just getting some, a free dish or whatever. But uh, Does it make it harder to write about, though? No, because like I said, I'm not critiquing, I'm not reviewing. So I it's like, right, right, you know, right. I'm, I'm telling a story about the place. So I'm reporting on and, and, sure. and, and seeing, I was about to say reviewing, which I would contradict because I'm not. Um, so it's really just getting a better understanding of what is available at the places, whether it's from the wine list or the cocktails or the food and the more you taste and experience, the better you are to tell the story. And it's like going and checking out the whole space. And I always will, even if I'm not writing about a place, I always will get up and walk around and check out the different aspects of the restaurant and just kind of have a better idea of, of and perspective of what is in the physical space of the restaurant. Um, and that could be from the restaurant to what the bathroom's like <laughs> or whatever. So, you know, you know, sometimes like I've written articles about the best bathrooms in Chicago and there, yeah, people want to know about this. There stuff, are some though. really yeah. cool bathrooms yeah. in, in restaurants and hotels around the city. Um, Ruxpin used to have the coolest one. And so I'm, I miss that place. That was one of my favorite restaurants when they never, were around. Never been. It closed, uh, I mean, probably four or five years ago. Oh, okay, I'm probably, okay, okay. I'm, it could be longer. I can't remember Ruxpin. Know, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what is time? But, um, you know, as far as going back to your other question is, you know, what am I looking for? And, you know, I've written about, um, I did a piece for the Resi blog a few months ago about restaurants with great, great wine programs. So, you know, I always will look at wine lists and see what they've got. And, you know, anything that makes something a little bit more unique, like rosemary. Like and, and when you do something like this, are you... They just give you free reign, like this is this is the the subject matter, and you go out and you have total control over which restaurants that uh, you feature. I mean, a lot of times. I mean, for Resi, obviously, like they want 
restaurants that are on the platform. Right, right. Um, but I, I was able to include a few places that were not on oh, Resi wow. to give. So like Elche and, and Rosemary were not on, on the platform. And I included them because like Rosemary. They, I love Elche. Uh, Elche is, first of all, John Mannion is like one of the best chefs in Chicago, in my opinion. Wow. Um, <clears throat> and Elche is just, it's a cool space. Um, the food is fantastic, fantastic. But, their, but their wine program, um, they, it's a 100% South American wine list. So it's wines from Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, I think some Brazil. Um, you don't hear a lot of Brazilian wines, do you? There's more, com- there's more. I've, I've maybe only had one. I think they have some good sparkling wine. I've never even seen one. Yeah. I don't know what in, the indigenous grapes are in yeah. Brazil, but, uh, so like in Rosemary, like a lot of their wines are Croatian. So, you know, that's what I think is really cool about places that are focusing on food from around, from different parts of the world is that you get to see what else is happening in terms of wine yeah. in, in other parts of the world that you may not think about. You know, Croatian wines are very similar to Italian wines, their neighbors. So there's a lot of, uh, um, I don't even actually know the names of the grapes in in Croatia, but there's a lot of similarity in the in the land, and so you can grow. You know, like they share a border, and so like the the vines that are like the vines don't know that they're in Croatia versus Italy. But so I, I gotta ask: is, is Chicago a wine city? I mean, are we? Do you find that people are educated in wine here more so than like California or you know? I mean, a place like Italy or Spain probably know a heck of a lot more about wine, but. You know, do you, do you find that Chicagoans specifically are are tuned into that or competent in, in? There are there's definitely a population that does yeah. know their wine for sure. There's also people that are just like, yeah, you know, can I? It's red. Come to the yeah. Can I can I get a glass of wine? Can yeah. I get a glass of red? And yeah, it's just yeah, like, well, yeah. what? There's a we have forty. What do you want? Right, right. Um, but one of the things that I think that Chicago lacks is a really good, uh, really good wine editorial. You know, it's like the Tribune used to have really good wine coverage. They had a dedicated wine writer. They've had a dedicated wine writer over the years and they don't now from what I don't, I don't think, um, you know, and all the, I mean, our, our editorial is limited in general for food and wine and, and drinks in Chicago. But, um, I think that that would help to educate more people and to let them know what is out there, not only from like what different restaurants have, but like, what are the better wine shops, you know, where to go and like, and you could find out so much more when you go to your local wine shop and you talk to them and say like, you know, I like this type of wine, but I'm looking for something different. What can you recommend? Like, I like a Chardonnay and they might say, well, you have a, a, an Albarino from Spain (laughs) or something like that. No, I think you're right. I don't think it's for a lack of uh, desire. Yeah. But People just drink what, what, you know, they think they know and right. you know, what tastes good to them. But yeah. yeah, switching gears a little bit. Yeah. You're writing for, uh, is it okay to say? Yeah. Uh, Salesforce. For sure. You know, tell me about that and some of the writing that's very different, right? But I, I think it's just as cool. And, and especially since it came out of such a trying time. Yeah. Uh, so I, two weeks into lockdown, uh, so in late March of 2020, um, my friend took a job at Salesforce, somebody I used to work with at Eater, um, and she asked me if I if I wanted to come and write for her. She was heading up the team, the blog team. Um, I, you know, it's like a great corporate gig. Like, why? It's like everything else I wrote about at that time was being shut down. So, um, and it's been really interesting navigating that world and getting to know that world. Uh, 
because I'm not a corporate person, you know, that's almost what makes it so amazing is that you're like bringing a little culture into it too. Well, what's actually really cool is like, and this is credit to my friend, Carolyn, is that like, she really brought more of an editorial voice and tone. Um, and that has been a big push within this team that we're the bigger team that we're on is to create, you know, more of an editorial focus, uh, and not being so promotional about Salesforce and Salesforce products, but like, what are things that people who might be a Salesforce customer, what might they be interested in knowing? So if you look at the, the Salesforce 360 blog, which is what I write for, we have, there are people on other teams that contribute to the blog and they write for the blog, but we write about things in sustainability. We write about wellness in the office, uh, in the workplace. Um, we write about, you know, we're doing more things. I'm starting to move into writing about Web3 and crypto and NFTs. And, um, you know, even it's just like personal interactions. It's like things that people want to know about that you can put into action in your company or within your team. So the, uh, you know, I was telling you, I'm, I just finished a piece that is people may have lost their in-person people to people skills over the last two years from sitting in front of a, t a computer screen all day and looking at people. So when you come back together, what are the things that you can do to combat that, to make it a little easier uh, to get together with your colleagues or going to an event or a conference when you may be uncomfortable or have a little trepidation from being separated for two years? And it could be from anything from your people skills to your like, I'm not so sure I want to shake your hand. So, right. um, because you were saying too, just even being at a loss for words sometimes, not, yeah. not as, you know, quick to respond or, or, yeah. or formulate those thoughts. Right. Exactly. Um, so there's, you know, even talking about data, um, you know, and how, how big data and AI and the emergence of AI and in the workplace and in our lives every single day and, absolutely and the, um, you know, the ethics around that. So those are things that we talk about and it really runs the gamut of different subject matter that we discuss. Wow. All cool stuff and all important. I'm glad it's you, uh, writing it. Yeah. What, uh, what's the vision for the future? What, what can we expect of you, uh, hear this in 2022 and, and beyond? Um, I am looking to focus more on wine in addition to staying with Salesforce and writing for them. Um, but really writing more about wine yeah. um, and and digging back into that. You know, the last couple of years, I still have written about it, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, the impact the pandemic had on small independent wineries in California, which I wrote about for, I think it was insidehook.com uh, a year or so ago. But I really want to just, you know, continue my education and knowledge, um, about around wine, getting to know more people in the industry, um, talking to different winemakers, really just kind of getting a better understanding and then translating that to people. A lot of times people think that you need to know everything about wine. Otherwise it's too intimidating and I don't want to learn anything. Right. And, you know, one of the things that mm -hmm. I've like you have to be a sommelier or nothing. Kind of, yeah. You know, and people are like, oh, I don't know, it's too intimidating. I, can't, I don't know how to pronounce that that grape. And it's, you don't need to know that. But if you understand that like we're a certain, like a wine region, for example, and like what it's known for and what causes wine to get the, the certain tastes that it might have. Um, if you have that sort of understanding, like you don't need to know like every winery and every winemaker and the vintages. It's not like when you're a kid and you might've collected baseball cards and right. knowing all the stats of all the players. If you have some knowledge that could then 
lead to more interest and just going out and tasting. So I just, I want to help educate people on, on that there's a lot more out there than Pinot Grigio and Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and like I said, I'm glad it's you doing it and I look forward to, to reading more about it. But thank you. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it.